But here's Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. I just want to read this to you before we do anything else. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Here's a key statement. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And here's the, the, the verse that's on the sign. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That Christ may live in your heart. What, a, what an honor to think about that. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye, all of you, would be rooted and grounded in the most essential thing that we have been given. Love. That you be rooted and grounded in love. And then get this. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. That's a great statement. Paul said, my prayer is that you would know how big and how wide and how tall and how long the love of Jesus is, even though you can never really know it. That's a good way to pray. And he says that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Boy, you can't start with better prayer than that. But I thank God for each of you tonight and for this, this great occasion this weekend. You know what I like about this? I like that it's us. Now, you know, it crossed my mind. Of course, you know, Matthew and Alicia and all the children are here, but they're us too. And, but I was thinking, you know, maybe, maybe somewhere down the road, maybe, maybe God says, you know what, you all have done well and you're learning things and you could help others. Maybe we invite some more to participate. I mean, you know, you always have the, uh, the freedom to invite a friend if you'd like to, but I like that it's us. I like that we are a family met to do this tonight. That's very important. And so welcome to this year's Way of Holiness Conference. And you've been seeing and hearing for quite some time. It's on the screen tonight. Our theme for this year, slow your pace, shrink your world, and shepherd your heart. That's what we're focusing on all this weekend. And I believe that that's God's word to us right now. I believe that's how he's inviting us into holiness right now. I think I can answer for us. Everybody in this room needs at least one of those things in that theme, right? I mean, I know we all need to shepherd our hearts better. We need to learn how to do that. But some of us need to learn how to slow down. I, you know, we talked about confession on Wednesday night. I'm going to make a confession. I have been so, I know this is wrong. I know it is. But I've been so uptight today, like stressed, like, ah, oh, anxious, ah. Oh. Matthew's nodding. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I've been trying to pray against it. I've got to slow my pace. And I've got to shrink my world. I've got to just simplify it down. Just simplify it down. But that's what we've come to do. And I tell you tonight, I want to be a whole and holy person. I know deep down in my heart, that's what I want more than anything else. I, I, I know that. I know that. With all my soul, I desire that. But I am yet, right now, an unfinished man. And so are you. Unfinished men, unfinished women. So we've come here, and believe me, believe me, 
organizing this meeting is as much for my own soul as it is for anybody else. I tell you it is. Uh, I need this at least as much as anybody sitting in this room. And, uh, you know, since we can't do a conference on holiness and spiritual disciplines and spiritual formation without referencing Henry Nouwen, uh, let me begin tonight with this statement that he makes. Theological formation is the gradual and often painful discovery of God's incomprehensibility. Now, I just read that in Ephesians 3, didn't I? Theological formation, your understanding of God, is the gradual and often painful discovery of God's incomprehensibility. You can be competent in many things, but you cannot be competent in God. Oh, now let's let that sink in a minute. That, that's a wonderful truth when you, when you begin to think about it. Now, now, why would I begin with this? Why would I begin with this statement? Because, as we do every year, we need to lay a foundation from the very beginning that there are no experts here. There are no experts here. And uh, there's no one here who has all the answers. I, I mentioned it in the service the other day. Uh, those of us that are, that are teaching tomorrow or preaching in the services... It is simply because God has entrusted us with that responsibility and that opportunity, but it is not because we are masters of the subject. But I said, I want to be. I really want to be. I don't know why it crossed my I guess because we were, we were eating lunch today, and I saw televisions, and uh, there were televisions in the restaurant, and I, I saw something about the Panthers, and I remember, it like, went through my mind, I remember when that was important to me. And I'm not knocking anything right now. I'm not knocking anything. Don't take a knock. Don't take a... I'm just saying it crossed my, I remember when that was important to me. And the thought that followed that was, man, I'm so glad I freed that space. I'm so glad I freed that space because it allowed me to receive more of God in my life. I've got more room for him. So look, that statement by now and tells me that the pressure is off. The pressure's off. You see, you don't have to be like me. And I don't have to try to meet up with your expectations. But what we must do is to continue to look at Jesus and follow hard after him. And when we think that we figured out what God is and what he is doing or how he will handle things, we will be very often surprised that he does not do it our way. But we have been given the mind of God in this great book. And we explore that together this week. We have been given the Spirit of God to guide us if we will listen. And we've been given the model of Jesus if we will indenture ourselves to him as his servants. And so one more quotation from Henry Nouwen to close this before we pray. When the imitation of Christ does not mean to live a life like Christ, but to live your life as authentically as Christ lived his then there are many ways and forms in which a man or a woman can be a Christian. Now, I got good news for you. I'm going to put both of those quotations on your handout for tomorrow morning because I want you to see those things. And if I had had uh, the time, 
If I hadn't stressed so much, I might have had more time. I would have put them on a slide for you tonight, but I want you to see those and be able to, to think on those. One of the key elements of this whole meeting is the ability and the need to think about what we're learning, to think about what we're discussing. So many of you say to me, Preacher, I can't keep up with you. You just, you go too fast. Well, I need to make sure I slow my pace for this conference. We really need to think, and here's why we need to think. Because there are no experts. Nobody here has all the answers, and this is a conference, which means that we all come together to confer with one another. So, if I can if I can teach and speak in a way that allows you to think and process you're gonna come up with questions and you're gonna come up with answers and when we have the question and answer time tomorrow throughout the day we will confer about these things so it's important for us to think about what we're doing but this one thing we will always be brought back to throughout all of it and that is that God is seeking to make us holy people holy in every way. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, the very God of peace sanctify you holy, and I pray God your whole spirit, soul, body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the way of holiness, what we're doing in this conference is going to help us to recover so much of what has been lost to the idolatry of the self and to the comfort culture that we have been living in for a very long time, a very long time. So that's what we're here to do. Now, if you came tonight thinking this was a regular church service, surprise! This is the first part of the conference. So it'll look a little like a church service tonight, more so than tomorrow will. But I also want to get right into the nuts and bolts of this. So I hope you have your journal when you checked in tonight. If you, you know, registered, we gave you a journal. If you're here and you didn't register, I told them don't give you one. Just look you in the eye and say no. Uh, but actually, we have, we have enough that uh, we can sell the extras for $10 a piece. But anyway, uh, if you have your journal, I want you to use it. I want you to pull it out. And uh, if you're like, you know, preacher, I'm glad for the journal, but I've got one I'm already working in. I'd like to use it. That's fine. But I'm going to give you your first exercise tonight, and I'm going to give you about two minutes to do this before I pray. And let me explain what I want you to do. I want you to take your journal or whatever it is you're going to use tonight, and uh, we'll have the music playing softly for about two minutes here in just a second. I want, you, I want you to write down what you want from being in the conference this weekend, what you hope to get out of this conference. I want you to just write that down. It can be a, a word or two, a phrase, a couple sentences. Don't be generic about it. Be specific. Here's what I want you to do. I want you right now in your heart to hear Jesus say, okay? You are, you, are, you are sitting before Jesus. Maybe he's sitting with you, and you hear him say, what would you like for me to do for you? Just like he said to James and John, Mark chapter 10, what would you like for me to do for you? And I want you to write that down. Take, take about two minutes if you want to start the music. And then I'll lead us in prayer. I'll give you time to pray your part, and then we'll close it together. All right, let's pray together tonight, and in just a moment I'll pause, and I'll let you add in your request just between you and the Lord during that pause, and then I'll, I'll close it together. So let's, let's bow for prayer. Our Father, 
we bow before you now to invite your blessing and to present ourselves to you in this meeting. Nothing done here will be of any worth if you are not the reason and the cause of it. Jesus, we can do nothing without you. So we pray to abide in your life tonight. And as we begin this conference, we have come to this night after much preparation in study, in prayer, the logistics of planning. And now we come, Lord, with high hopes, with great expectations. Lord, we begin tonight, as we have sought to do all week, by bringing our whole selves to you to consecrate our heart, our deep and truest part, our very core of our being. We consecrate our heart to you tonight. We consecrate our mind to you, our every thought, our feelings, and our desires. We give them all to you tonight to sanctify for your use, Lord. We consecrate our body tonight. We give you our eyes and our ears and our mouths and our hands and every member to be of sacred use to both speak and to hear and to both bow and to embrace. And Father, we surrender this conference to you to your divine and perfect will, far, far above what we could ask or think. May your will be done here in this place on earth as it is done in heaven. This conference, Lord, is for your glory. Father, hallowed, glorified be your name in this place. Be glorified in our praying, be glorified in our singing, in our teaching, in our fellowship. This conference is for your glory. Holy Spirit, we pray for the church to be edified tonight. Come and build us up with strength in the inner man. Come and show us Jesus in a fresh and living way. Lord, make Jesus champion in our hearts while we are here. Father, be known and loved. Jesus, be known and loved. Holy Spirit, be known and loved in this. And now we surrender our all to you. We bring the request of our hearts. We lay them before you, the one who has promised to give us all things, even to gladly give us the kingdom. And so, dear friends, right now, take a moment and make your request known to the Lord. Lord, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to look in Isaiah chapter 35 this evening, and I have just the uh, responsibility and privilege to introduce the conference tonight by bringing you to our, our theme passage, which is in Isaiah, and it has been Isaiah 35 um, last year and, and this year again. Uh, Isaiah 35, 8 talks about the way of holiness, and so let me take a few moments tonight and, uh, and just introduce the conference this way. Isaiah 35, I want to read verse 1 and verse 8. The, the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. Let's read verse 2. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. 
The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. And verse 8 says, And an highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. This is the way that we are traveling, not just this weekend, but in life. This, this is a summary of our spiritual life. The way of the desert is what I want to talk about for a few moments this evening. The way is always in and through the desert when it comes to spiritual formation. And, and that has been true from the wilderness journey of Israel to the life that we are called to live today in this world, which is a wilderness. But I have to tell you, if this is not your thing, you're about to become very, very uncomfortable. Now, on the other hand, if you get very uncomfortable, that could be a very good thing. Because it is when we get uncomfortable that we begin sometimes to look for help and answers. You know, Israel got uncomfortable in the hot desert when they were traveling, and they, uh, they uh, turned to idolatry and murmuring and fornication and all that. And they wound up spending 40 years walking in the circles of desolation. Not what God wanted for them. But we know that there are many believers today who are walking in circles in the desolation and, and for the life of them can't figure out what is all this stuff that everybody keeps talking about, the abundant life and joy in the Lord and, and hearing from God and meeting with God. What is all that? Well, it makes no sense to the person that's just walking in circles in the desert, but the ones that have got up on the highway of holiness understand. The way is always how you get from here to there, so it implies desire. So you've got to ask yourself, what do you want? What matters? What's important to you in life? And our, our way can be a wicked way, meaning a wrong way, a perverse way, a crooked way, a way that's not God's way. And Psalm 139 says we pray that God would show us if we have wicked way in us. But then Psalm 2711 says, Lord, show me thy way. That's the way we want. So just Isaiah 35, obviously, comes behind Isaiah 34. But chapter 34 describes the judgment God brings against the world. It's got past and present repercussions. And the impact that that judgment has on even God's own people because we live in this fallen world too. Israel had to pay the consequences for their rebellion against God. And in, 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 in the same way, we live in the fallen world because of sin. And just because we've been redeemed in Jesus, we haven't got out of the desert yet. We haven't got out of the wilderness yet. We are still there. And so it has impact on us. And so in short, we can understand it this way, that the world is in ruins because men rebelled against God and Eden has become a wasteland. But let me hasten to add, the followers of Jesus are to be neither dazzled by the false Eden that the world continues to try to create around us, nor are we to be disheartened by the loss 
of the original Eden because we are journeymen. We are, verse 8 says, the wayfaring people who are not living for this world, but we are living unto the world that is to come. That's being on the way of holiness. That's being in the way of the desert. And if we're going to find the desert way, we're going to need some brutal honesty in our life. We have long lived in a comfort culture, I said a moment ago, that has made us soft and, frankly, at ease with sinful things. We are so at ease with them, painfully so. We really need to find both the Holy Spirit conviction and the courage of Jesus to call out the things of the world for what they are and say, I, I, I need to get away from those things. And Isaiah 35 is summoning the people of God to pursue him in and through the wasteland of the world following this highway of holiness, all the while knowing that regeneration is coming. As Jesus promised in Matthew 19, verse 28, he said the regeneration, the genesis again, God's going to do it again. And this time, best news yet, this time there'll be no chance of sin because the choices have already been made. We won't have to make the choice that Adam had to make. We've already made it. And thank God Jesus made one for us. Amen. And so that's a good thing. This desolate world will be made a place of beauty and joy and strength for those who choose to follow God in the way of holiness. But not only is the world to come one of beauty and joy and healing, but we can find that right now in this world as we travel the way of holiness. And this is why Peter says in 2 Peter 3, verse 10 and 13, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, living holy lives in every aspect of your life? Sleeping holy, eating holy, breathing holy, showering holy, playing holy, working holy, churching holy. Holy in all manner of conversation. Looking for, and here, here's what that holy godly living does, right? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we... Here's that regeneration. According to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. What a great day that'll be, the song says. So a key truth to take away from the, this opening session is this. We are to live right here and now in this desolate place known as the world. We are to live as a people already seated in the heavens in Christ because we are pilgrims on a journey but here's the thing, it's going to take spiritual discipline in our life to travel well on the way of holiness. That's what we need. And, and if you're here tonight, and, and, and you know many of you are practicing spiritual disciplines in your life, but you know what we need to do? We need to, we need to, we need to anchor them down tighter. We've got we to get, get more serious with them. We want to continue to grow. Write this reference down. I won't read it tonight, but Psalm 84 is, is such a fundamental part of this way of holiness and I'm sure I'll mention it again but Psalm 84 uh, is, is a pilgrim psalm and that's one you can read as you're spending time on it this weekend the wayfaring men 
Let me just say this and, 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 and begin to wrap up. The way of holiness was pursued by the desert fathers and desert mothers of the early 3rd and 4th centuries. And I mention that every year at the conference. I talk about them. And I think it bears repeating because what they, they did, they saw society. Thomas Merton has famously written this in his book, The Wisdom of the Desert. They saw society as a shipwreck from which every individual must swim away to find safety for their soul. And so these devout men and women, uh, they were not part-time Christians. They were not casual consumer Christians. They were men and women whose hearts burned for Jesus Christ and longed to walk in the same way that Jesus had walked. And so it was their firm conviction that, quote, to let oneself drift along passively accepting the tenets and values of what they knew as society was purely and simply a disaster. What that means is they refused to live like Lot was living in Sodom all those years. They said, we're not, we don't want, we're not going to live that way. We're not going to let the world tell us what we have to look at and what we have to listen to and, and, and what we have to you know, jump in on and agree with. We're not going to do it. We're leaving. We're getting out of here. They didn't want to be like Demas, who had forsaken his life of complete surrender to God so that he could pursue amusements and comforts in the world. For them, passages like 1 John 2, verses 15 and 17, rang as anthems in their heart. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. the need to write down key words. These words are major words for the conference. Transformed. And that was the desire of their heart. That rang true with them. So they chose to leave for the deserts of ancient Egypt. They left the culture behind and embraced a life of spiritual discipline that allowed them to pursue a genuine life with God. And here's the thing, they were untethered from the world. They were choosing not to be bound to the world. Now, here's where this thing has to get real, real. Well, it just has to get real. Let's get real about this thing. Here's, here's, here's another word that I want to give you. This is a big word, detachment. They were practicing in very practical, real ways, detachment. They were dis, which means to come apart, and attach, which means to cling to something. They were breaking that, and they were no longer clinging to the world. They were breaking it. They were disconnecting. They were untangling from it. And Paul said in 2 Timothy 2, 4, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. They desired transformation, but to have transformation, they must have detachment in their life from the world. So, I said that they swam from society as a shipwreck, that they might be saved. You know, there's a common belief that a, a sinking ship will suck you down with it if you're too close. How many of you have ever heard that? Or how many of you, like, if, you're, if the boat goes down, you're going to get off as quick as you can, swim as far as you can away from it? Okay, I would too, just to be safe, but from what I, what I was researching today, uh, that's actually a myth that's not really true. 
Now, I, I, I'm not going to test it. I'm going to take their word for it only so far as my life's not on the line. But here's what all agree. The sure danger is, is that if a ship is going down and you don't get away from it, you're more likely to get tangled up in the rigging of the ship, and that's what pulls you under. So I would just say either way, the, 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 the object lesson or the moral here is get away from that sinking ship as fast as you can and as far as you can. Now, if we put that into our daily practical lives... Here's my question for you. What rigging of this sinking ship are you finding yourself entangled with right now? Now, I really want you to write that question down, maybe in your own words, but that's something to take home tonight. That's a question to take home. Because I'm just going to tell you, we all are in danger of getting caught by some rigging of this sinking ship. I shared the illustration with somebody. Uh, might have been Brother Corey. I don't remember who I told it with. Got, got us the other night as a family watching a family television show, an old family television show. And, and, and I saw the signs. Well, it was you I was telling, you and Brother Corey. I saw the signs. I, I said, you know, maybe we shouldn't watch this one. But I thought, but no, this show's good. It doesn't have bad stuff in it. Boy, it just got us. The rigging caught and pulled. You know, I mean, it, so what I'm saying is, is it's not safe to swim with sharks in bloody clothes. You know, that's not a good thing to do. So let me just say this. I want you to think about this. Now, you've got to take the gloves off and begin to call the things out. What are you playing with or what are you swimming too close to? The ship that's going, it's going down and you're playing with it because that's going to keep you from being faithfully on that way of holiness, Okay. And, and I'm, I'm done. We're going to have a song. Write this reference down in case I don't get to give it to you. But with that, with that question, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 through 21, which tells us that there are vessels to honor, some to dishonor, and we need to purge ourselves of the things that are dishonorable. And that's how God uh, will make us. We can be fit for his use. So the reason we do the conference every year is that we can have an intensive focus and training on how we're to live this desert life though we're not actually going to retire to the desert or the mountains, although it is tempting. The mountain's not the desert. But we're not going to do that. But I, I believe that we can live by the same principles and the same guidelines they chose, the same truth. And the reason I believe that is because what they chose to live by, even though they had unique ways of doing it, what they chose to live by are things that are right here that are still in this book. And so we can live them in this world. Some of you, I think I was telling Brother Matthew this the other day. I, I, I mentioned to a couple of you men before, I said, I'm thinking about starting a new church movement. I, I want to start a Baptist movement. I'd love to take the best of what the Amish do and get it with the best of Baptist doctrine and combine them together. And I think that would be like wonderful. But, you know, it'll never happen. I'll be one guy out there living alone. Hopefully Athena will still be with me. But anyway, anyway, that's my last statement. The pursuit of God and the pursuit of holiness are one and the same. Okay? 1 Peter 1, 15, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And this is one of my favorite verses of the Bible, Jeremiah 20, 13. He says, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me 
with all your heart, your whole heart. That is your holy heart. When we give God our all, he will not conceal himself. He will reveal himself.